Hello and welcome back to 202030 podcast. Today we are talking a lot about textiles as a sub element of fashion, but also as maybe the bigger industry actually on the side. We will find out um, in a moment. And we will also obviously talk about material innovation and have a, as usually a quick uh, flashback to the summit revisiting that together. And in order to have a really expert discussion here, I'm extremely happy to not be alone, but uh, having a live session here, live in Berlin with the two co-founders of the Textile Prototyping Lab. And I'm very happy to have them here, Essie and Karina. Can you please introduce yourselves, Karina, first of all? Hello. <laughs> Hi, I'm Karina, and I'm a textile designer and, as you said, um, co-founder of Textile Prototyping Lab, and I'm really happy to be here today. Yeah, I'm, I'm Essie, um, and yeah, thanks for inviting us. We're very excited to be here. I'm a textile designer, design researcher, and material developer, and um, yeah, now co-founder of the Textile Prototyping Lab spin-off, and yeah, looking forward to talk about it later. It's a pleasure to have you back and especially to have you both here now to get like the full insights on the developments at uh, Textile Prototyping Lab um, over the years. But I think we heard already a lot at the conference and we will revisit that right now. Uh, listening to you, first of all, Essie, from um, a recording from the summit and also listening to Matthias Fuchs of OceanSafe, who um, obviously is focused on materials, uh, biodegradable materials for the industry. Um, yeah, so kind of first of all, stage uh, free for our recordings and then we will zoom further and deeper into the textile prototyping lab and the textile world in general. Thanks for inviting me, inviting us to this very interesting panel and very interesting event. I'm happy to present our um, venture, the Textile Prototyping Lab, which is a textile lab, a textile development hub based in Berlin with two own labs, which aims to connect uh, research, design and industry in, within the field of textiles. And um, yeah, I'm happy to present you what we are doing, why we are doing it, what, what our goal is, um, our mission. And I'm also going to show you a few of our projects. So just, just to say that um, ahead of the presentation, we don't only work in the field of fashion. Fashion is one, of course, very, very important uh, application field for textiles and for us extremely interesting. But we do work in uh, various fields from very, very technical textile applications to education to supporting young designers, young talents up to very different projects. Um, we started with the goal to um, build up the first open laboratory. Um, for the development of high-tech textiles in Germany, which um, back then we started 2017, didn't exist yet. What was also very important for us is to really foster co-innovation between a design industry and research with the idea to really like kind of create better products, better textiles together by opening up uh, these development processes and yeah, fostering collaboration between these fields. So the goals that we have is um, 
to or that we had and that we now deliver also is to um, offer um, research and development uh, service for textile professionals, but also customers from the textile field, from the industry. Um, we have a focus on high-tech textiles, smart textiles, as well as open innovation processes. We are and we still want to improve uh, that to be a think tank and incubator for textile projects and also to be a platform for the exchange between um, yeah, different stakeholders on textile technology and textile trends. So, yeah, just to mention that, we started as a research project funded by the uh, German Ministry of Education and Research 2017. The project was running for five and a half years, and it was especially focused on Germany, East Germany, uh, which used to have a very, um, very intense and highly qualified um, textile industry it still has but it's very focused on the technological part and we said like of course we have this you know in in berlin we have startups we have uh, young designers we have different you know universities that educate young people young talents in the field of textiles um, and then around Berlin, um, and of course also in other parts of Germany, but that's just our partner network we started with, we have immense know-how and we need more like processes to better connect all these stakeholders with each other. As partners, we started with the Weissens Academy of Art and Design, where I used to work as a researcher, design researcher back then to lead the project. And the Prototypes for Europe is like the former Fab Lab in Berlin, and then we have research partners, um, the Saxon Textile Research Institute, um, Research Institute, Thuringia Vogtland and the Fraunhofer Institute for Reliability and Microintegration, as well as industry partners. And nowadays we also have our own like independent design and deve development unit. What we currently do is we broaden the partner network to rest of Germany and also Europe um, to, yeah, even like make greater impact and have better better offer of partners for the development pro projects. So just to give you like a tiny um, idea of what we do and what we did over time, we had several goals. Um, we wanted to build up our own infrastructure. So nowadays we have two labs um, in Berlin with uh, different prototyping machines that are kind of in between from the complexity. They're in between the like, you know, domestic machines that are nice, but hardly it's hard to scale the results but they're also a bit more like they give you more freedom to creatively explore textiles than um, many industrial machines we built up a material library um, with um, hundreds of textile samples uh, because if you want to develop textiles you need to you need something to communicate, you need a vocabulary, and that's our archive for us. We also developed our own e-textiles toolkit, so we work with um, one of the most renowned institutes that, that work with e-textiles, also sustainability in e-textiles, of course, a big topic as well, and we developed our own prototyping um, kit for that topic, and we did many, many projects um, to pilot our process change chains, and we also built our own lab. We um, made our own architecture, which is one of our labs. So um, I'm part of the um, independent textile design and develop unit. I'm co-founder, and what we do, we are both designers. Um, but what we do is that we um, support a variety of, of clients and stakeholders in the development um, and prototyping of either materials or new products. Uh, we are very, very open we, and we always customize um, our 
um, like the, 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 the development processes and also the partners that kind of join um, the process. We always start with like different co-creation formats um, and bring together designers and technical experts to, yeah, have the goal of an inclusive creation process, which is for us very important. Talking about labs, um, what I already mentioned is we have great like labs with great know-how um, in uh, research institutes, for example, but they're hardly accessible. So that's why we built up our central lab with um, an open lab structure inspired by the Fab Lab, which is more easily accessible. But of course, we have only selected machinery. Um, you can prototype quite creatively, and with the results, you can then um, easier, like more easily, transfer um, your ideas into to the focus labs to the industrial machines and scale it up. So we try to speed up the development processes by having this very individualized uh, support. And by that, we can also cover many different uh, textile technologies and. Um, the, the connection, the intersection of everything is the material library. What is very important for us is really to um, speak to different target groups. That was um, yeah, kind of one of our, our most important goals, that we are not only talking to the big companies or not only talking to students, um, but we have different formats for students to promote the ta talents, to promote young designers with um, workshops or short support uh, um, times um, we are also speaking to yeah design studios developers startups um, quite often also material startups approach us that maybe developed a yarn but they want to prototype to see how does that behave as a knitted surface as a woven surface how can we scale it up um, so we have this like masterclass format and then for medium size and large companies either from the textile field uh, but also far beyond, um, now we are developing um, a textile for electronics company, the first textile product and so on. So it's very, very broad. Um, and that's what I said. We think it's very important to really customize and look at the needs of, of, of customers and of people from that field to support it in the best way possible. So we always start with ideation and co-creation formats. Um, so sometimes that's um, really like a workshop with the clients and external experts. Um, we even had kids in our labs. Um, we developed a therapeutic um, textile um, wearable for them, also with our electronics kit. Um, and here we are working with product designer Stefan Dietz um, and lighting company Vibia, and we traveled there um, to really consult on the whole development process and develop a textile lighting system um, for the designer, which is now also on the market for one year. Um, the next steps um, that we offer are design prototyping and development, which um, yeah, can result in a demonstrator, can result in textile samples, um, or in uh, we work, also work uh, with a lot of research projects, um, so it's very, very open. Um, but one, what's also very important for us, we love to do workshops and networking. Um, we've been in the She Makes uh, project, the EU project, um, last year, which is about empowering especially young women to, um, yeah, to work in the field of textiles um, and to, to ga gain new skills 
there. Um, but we also like to work with new technologies that are maybe not typical textile technologies, but for example, uh, 3D printing on textiles. I think now it's a bit more common. We did that workshop back in 2018, so it was a bit more, more new then. So we also like to explore new technologies in connection to textiles. And, of course, education, um, exhibitions, communication, communicating the potentials of textiles is, as well, very important for us. So, um, just kind of to, to wrap it up, we think it's, it's, it's valuable to bring together different know-how to work in the field of textiles, to, to develop better textiles, new solutions, innovative solutions. And you um, don't only need good machines or, or uh, companies that do good things, but you also need space, um, physical space, but can also be like a creative space um, to, um, to talk about ideas, to connect, to play around um, with your visions and um, we try to to deliver that so yeah thanks for listening and let me know later on I think you can let me know if you have more questions yeah I'm happy to hand over hi everyone do you can you hear me so far wonderful thank you so much for listening thank you so much Essie for for this cool presentation it's now we're basically jumping to something completely different um, we are basically from uh, basically from the company um, OceanSafe, and our claim is we are replacing polyester with circular synthetic textile materials. And I would like to basically do a little—it's not a deep dive, but it's a quick dive into my world, which currently is synthetic circular materials. So. My name is Matthias. I'm the chief marketing officer. So I'm a sales guy. I'm a marketing guy. I'm, I'm a business guy. I'm not a textile engineer. I'm not a sustainability expert by education, but I'm a practitioner. So um, when we speak later on, maybe when we meet there, we can speak about the whole, you know, a global view of what we do. We have, of course, um, colleagues who are very deeply into the textile technology. We are basically from OceanSafe, a textile technology company. We consider ourselves to be, you know, everything that we touch is for circularity, is for the biological cycle according to the cradle-to-cradle -cradle principle. And um, we, we are not a manufacturer. We are not a stockist. We are not a brand. We are basically the technology and we license out to manufacturers, um, along the textile value chain. Um, we've been very happy to be um, winner of the German Sustainability Award Design 2021, the Deutsche Nachhaltigkeitspreis, which was super fantastic. And we've been early on supported by then Prince Charles's Sustainability Initiative, the Sustainable Markets in in Initiative. So this is what we are. We are a Swiss company, but we have an office in Germany. But let's speak polyester here. And a quick question here to the audience. Who, is, who has some contact in the professional context with polyester? Give me a hand. Polyester. So little. Okay, that's interesting. All right. Anybody with recycled polyester maybe? A little bit more. Okay. All right. Give you a quick what, you know, polyester, why is polyester important? And now my microphone is moving around. Um, you still hear me? Okay. Um, so why, why polyester is so important is this is basically the production of fibers globally until 2030. And the dark color you see there, these are synthetic fibers and this dark one is 
polyester. So the future growth of the textile industry that will happen, whatever we do here, it is going to happen, will be mostly driven not by natural fibers, it will be by synthetic fibers. And most of it is polyester virgin polyester. And this is the global fiber production per capita. So this means is we're all going to be buying more stuff, more textiles in the future around the world. Per capita, it's going to raise. We're going to be, even where we're talking here all day about reducing, this is what will happen regardless. So, and this is obviously driven mostly by consumption in Asia, not here in Berlin or in Germany. And this is the world polyester filament production by region. And the brown thing here, this is basically the production in China. So you probably 80%, more than 80% is going to be produced of polyester in China. So these are some facts that I would like to keep you in, in your mindset. So, And the cool thing about polyester is... Polyester is fantastic for production and for consumers because it's durable. That's a very, very positive thing about polyester. The performance, we all have, you know, outdoor jackets and sportswear. It's fantastic because the performance is, in some areas, really um, better than natural fibers. And for manufacturers, it's fantastic because polyester has a, an ecosystem. Like when you're building a rucksack, you have straps, you have fabric, you have all different kinds of things made out of polyester that is super easily and readily available on, uh, on the market. But the best thing about polyester, it's dirt cheap. It's such a cheap material that every, everybody who is in this industry and print manufacturers and especially the brands, they love it because it's very, very cheap. So, well... But there's, of course, some concerns about polyester. And the concern is one thing, it's very energy-intensive in to make, and it's, of course, based on oil, on fossil fuels. And, but another also critical point later on at end of life is that this, a lot of polyester textiles end up as, tr as trash. They end up as textile waste. And this waste is going to stay for hundreds of years because polyester is designed for durability so it's also designed not to degrade because it must be strong so it so they, there's different assumptions but polyester basically um, takes between 200 and 600 years to biodegrade by itself so it's a very durable and this problem is going to be around for many many years but another point is microplastics. I'm sure you've all heard about this. And there's also different assumptions, but they say roughly 30% of ocean microplastics, up to 30%, is derived from synthetic textile fibers, which are washed out during the use phase of a garment, and then end up at microplastics in the oceans. And these circle around for also decades, centuries in the ocean. And that problem is going to stay. There's nothing we can do about it. And there's truckloads of new microplastics reaching the oceans every single day. That's just a fact of life with polyester. And... Another little problem with polyester is that there are different studies that confirm that um, polyester is also toxic. There's, there's heavy metals, there's antimony from, 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 
from contents of, of normal polyester that is in the material and then actually mitigates during the use phase when we sweat, for instance, when we use it, and it goes into our bodies. So we can all basically see the results of toxicity from synthetic fibers in our bodies. And especially when you're, you know, I was, I was having a presentation last, last, uh, last week at Heimtextil at the Home Textile Fair, and when you have polyester bed linen and you spend seven hours or longer or shorter in your bed with a polyester bed linen, that's not a pretty good idea. So, but there's hope on the horizon, and the hope on the horizon is coming from Brussels, from the European Commission. And this is the idea I think we all know. The, the idea is that, that um, textiles or products in Europe are going to be circular. So we're going to implement that circularity concept also in the textile industry. There's a textile strategy in the European Union for this, which is fantastic. And one of the immediate results was that the industry switched to, hey, let's recycle, let's make it circular. But one of the results was, okay, let's do, let's take PET bottles and make textile fiber out, textile fibers out of it. That's not a very According to us, that's not a very smart idea because there's two, two issues with that. First, you are not solving the toxicity problem because we are just recircling, um, again, toxic toxins. And the second problem is that we're actually, there's some studies that say recycled polyester textiles emit even more microplastics than virgin ones. So we're not really solving the issue here. But the all basically, the all European circularity idea is all based on probably the cradle-to-cradle -cradle principle. We've heard many, many times already during the day about cradle-to-cradle, -cradle, and that's also the philosophy that we from OceanSafe follow. We from OceanSafe, and now a little bit how, what we do basically in this, is we have introduced a, our first generation of synthetic materials called Nanea. Nanea is a textile fiber, a textile yarn, which is based on a chip. You see this chip in the background, just like polyester, which is also based on a chip. And this is a synthetic material which is circular and which has really favorable, favorable envi environmental properties. And, um, but, the, but basically the, the objective is we want to replace conventional polyester and also um, recycled polyester um, conventionally mechanically recycled polyester with a truly circular material. And the brand name is Nanea. So what does it do? Nanea is um, available as staple fiber, is as available as staple yarns and filament yarns. And this is what you could call a, um, a drop in technology. The Nanea is circular. We have... Um, it can, it's designed for degradability and it's designed for recyclability. Second, it's safe for cradle-to-cradle's biological cycle. So it's degradable and without any toxins. And that's the, the other point. It's, it's virtually toxin-free. Who has confirmed that? Matthias just basically says this. But we have been the first material, the synthetic material ever who has received the cradle-to-cradle -cradle gold certification for the biological cycle. So cradle-to-cradle -cradle has checked this material and has given us the first and only um, go-ahead to use this, um, this certification in the textile industry. And um, why is it good, basically? Why is it easy to use? It's performant and durable just like polyester. 
It's inherently flame retardant, which is an interesting feature for some markets um, because it doesn't burn. So, for instance, in contract markets, when you're in a hotel room, you want uh, you do not want materials that can burn. So that's a very very good um, feature. And the best probably is when we speak about the industry, it's a scalable material. The, there's very very little. Um, limitation on the raw materials so this can be completely scaled up to large quantities and um, there's no restriction on the raw materials that are there. These are all commodities that we're using. This is basically a new polymer that we have developed and which is designed for biodegradability and the cradle-to-cradle biological cycle. But of course I'll be very very honest with you and very transparent. The The issue with this material is that it's still mostly based on petrochemical raw materials. So this is a on the let's say during the use and end phase, it's a very clean and very great material, degradable material. But the feedstock, what we make this polymer out of, is still predominantly oil, petroleum. So because. This is just how that polymer, what, what's made out of, can be only used like this. So we know this is still one of the negative points of it, obvi obviously, is, and it's also virgin material. So we are not using recycled material, it's virgin material from petrochemical industry. So you may say, what the hell, you know, is this sustainable at all? But this is just one of the compromises we have to do, because at the end of the day, this is Is I think we all know this, the fashion industry, the textile industry, is a very price-driven market. And actually, we can, tr we can change some of the raw materials to bio-based, but it will be absolutely way more expensive and probably very, very impossible to commercialize. So we want to make a positive impact with this material, um, with how it is today. And the scalability is there, but that needs to come from these raw materials. So... Um, Understanding this restriction and this compromise, I would say, we're also also now developing and we have actually patented our second um, generation of, of um, our synthetic fibers, which are going to be 100% bio-based plus 100% biodegradable later on. So this are, these are some um, insights about what we do. Um, I'll be... I'll be running around here we'll be happy to discuss with you um, some questions you may have and uh, encourage you to talk and thank you so much for your attention on OceanSafe thank you so much thank you so much there's a question over there the microphone is coming can you raise your hand again Thanks. You mentioned polyester um, properties in the beginning um, where I wouldn't 100% agree on um, the performance because I don't like the feeling on the skin. But anyway, um, I would be interested in the properties of your material in terms of wearing. Does it compare to any natural materials in terms of, um, you know, when you sweat? Um, how does it feel? Um, it's the same as conventional polyester basically it feels uh, but but the diff, big, big difference is if you if it's a let's say spun a fiber based yarn it's much softer than a filament and performance what what, what do i mean performance why do all outdoor jackets or you know fleece fleece products they're all made from polyester because you want this 
durability and resistance of polyester. Or let's say your sportswear, it's mostly polyester based. You want the durability, you want, you want actually that it's not absorbent. You want it to be, you know, a, a you know, water transfer from the skin away. That's in these, you know, in these areas you use polyester or in technical, um, there are many technical um, applications like um, curtains or upholstery, automotive, where polyester is very good because it's very dur durable. You have great pilling values. You have very, you know, from a technical, you know, long, 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 from a longevity perspective, it's very favorable. And that's what we are trying to replicate. And we're not saying that we want to replace a, cotton, a soft cotton or silk with our polyester. That's not the end yet. Okay, that's understand. going to be the second, second generation of our fiber. Thank you very much. Thank you. There is another question right there. Yes. Um, you were very transparent in saying that this is still made from, from virgin material. So I'm wondering if you've tested this with recycled inputs, and if so, what were the challenges and, and why haven't you been able to go down that road so far? Thank you so much for your question, because that's actually one point that I forgot in my presentation. Thank you so much. So the pro why we're still using virgin is, and you, we are... Our material is aimed for cradle-to-cradle -cradle gold, so one of the strictest and standards in the industry. But if we used recycled content, we would lose our cradle-to-cradle -cradle certification. And the reason is that the raw material is mostly, in, from recycled feedstock, is mostly contaminated with chemicals from previous life of these materials. So. We, that's why we're going with, with Virgin, because we believe cradle to cradle is something that we want to, that we're going for. And um, what we are going to do is once we have enough quantity of Nanea is we'll take, we'll take back, we'll chemically recycle our material and then recycle this new feedstock into new fibers. But that we don't have enough material yet that is coming back to us yet. We've produced 200 tons of the material. For us that's quite, a, quite big, but in the grand scheme of things it's drop in the ocean. So we're establishing take-back system with some brands and once actually these materials come back we can reuse it into new, into new fibers and that's the objective mid and long term. Do we have other questions? Here in the front. Um, I was wondering that um, how much does this cost in comparison between Nanya to conventional polyester, which I assume could be more expensive? And right now, maybe that's still limited into like for premium product. Thank you so much. Um, we started in home textile in textile a year and a half ago. We, for instance, started in the luxury segment. For instance, we have we've done upholstery fabrics for Stella McCartney, for instance. You know, like design th these things because it's still more expensive. Um, we it started being at the beginning it was 10 times 15 times more expensive than polyester we're now depending on the application depending on the material between 50% and 200% more expensive but the trick is is you know this is made on machines which produce 10,000 tons of polyester a year so when they make our material, they need to change from one polymer to ours and change back and forth. So this process is very expensive. When we, once we have volume, scale, then we're not going to be very, very drastically more expensive than, than polyester. It's going to be maybe in the single digits of, of percentages than conventional material. 
But this is, of course, as a startup, we're 10 people now, we're scaling up the company, we're scaling up the, the volumes now. That's, that's, of course, the ambition, to become price competitive and on price level with conventional materials. Maybe I can mention something to that point because we are, um, I mean, we are developing very, very different um, textiles and um, I think it's, um, it's really, we, we always try to be, or to, to develop as sustainable as possible or to follow like sustainability goals, but um, especially if you kind of develop for a technical reason or for performance uh, textiles, um, it's gets harder and harder to really like um, yeah follow the values that you want to follow um, and also um, there's a huge um, challenge uh, once you start to scale um, scale yeah production or bring a product into production the price um, comes of course um, into the game and everything it's it's it's, it's just immensely um, yeah difficult um, what we always think um, and I don't know if you know the TEDS 10 um, uh, it's very recommendable but um, one um, of the values there is to design a product for the end of its life um, and that's something that we always try to kind of keep in mind <laughs> but when we when we design something like um, polyester is not like necessarily bad it's just like the question where it ends up um, and what happens with it if it's um, in the end in a product that uh, lasts for a long time that is a good product that is um, meeting the right consumer and ending up in the right position and not polluting something then it's a very good material um, but and and also like just cotton or wool is not ne necessarily much better it just always depends on how you use it what type of product what is the product life cycle um, and potentially the end of the product, where does it end up? So, yeah, just to 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 mention that because polyester has such a bad reputation nowadays, and it's uh, of course understandable. Um, and I think it's good to ask critical questions. I also have a lot of critical questions for you, of course, afterwards. But no, but it's um, yeah, it's important to work on that and to be transparent also. And I, and I think nobody has the perfect silver bullet. You know, there's always a compromise with any material, with cotton, with hemp, with linen. There's always, oh no, that's that. So, and, and basically at the end of the day, we want to replace conventional stuff. That is the most, imp the most impactful materials should be re replaced. And it's a journey basically on, on, on the road to circularity. Thank you. Then we're going to close this Q&A. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. Give them an applause, please, again. <laughs> So now we could refresh our memories, um, what happened in January at our summit and what we already learned about the Textile Prototyping Lab, as well as about OceanSafe, obviously. Let's now look into your stakeholder landscape and what textiles is really all about. Because I feel when fashion people think of textiles, they first of all think about material. But textiles is more than just a material, isn't it? So, yeah, can you maybe explain what is what is the role of textiles um, in general and w what do you deal with? And what is then maybe the differentiation between textiles and fashion from your point of view at the moment? Who would like to start? 
Yeah, maybe I can start and then you can continue <laughs> because I'm sure we both have a lot to contribute to that topic. Um, so first of all, textiles, it's its a huge world behind um, the term textile. Um, of course, textile is a material. It has um, many, many layers starting from raw materials, from fibers, from, from technical processes, of course, that are involved um, to a textile construction like weaving um, and knitting and more specific constructions to finishing techniques and then of course also the application fields among one is like is fashion obviously and textiles if you say you're a textile designer a lot of people think like ah oh, yeah you're doing fashion um, but there are so many um, other application fields um, technical textiles you find in architecture um, in aerospace in mobility cars um, there are like Huge fields, um, of course, uh, a very interesting fields also um, wearables um, and e-textiles. Um, we are here in the Fraunhofer Institute and that's a research focus they cover, for example. So there are many, many levels also where um, development and research and innovation can happen in textiles. Um, and this is what really triggers us. Um, we started both as textile designers, but we yeah wanted to um to dive into that whole world and there are so many actors and stakeholders um in that field um and yeah it's 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 very it's a very interesting field a lot of things are going on there sounds like a lot of processes are involved eh? i guess this is maybe something where like a fashion designer would be oh um that sounds like a lot but yeah can we look into that a bit or did you want to add something No, I just wanted, um, I could add that uh, this field that you described already as you makes us really creative. So it's uh, a lovely field to work at. Um, I think it's our driver that there are so many layers on and that we can um, work with the textile prototyping lab with so many actors out of fashion, but also out of other industries. It's a really um, yeah, inspiring field for us. And um Yeah, your so question. it's a hugely co kind of connection point, eh? I guess. I mean, my my, my question was like, it sounds actually quite nerdy or also complex because there's so much processes involved and probably a lot of kind of technical terms. But now, I mean, I'm already so very happy because you say it's a lot of creativity. So like, how does that go together? I mean, also, yeah, our audience can't see you too now, but for me, obviously, you look like you're part of the fashion industry or the creative industry. You don't look like these kind of nerdy scientists. So yeah, how do you bring creativity into this game or what is the creativity there? And, 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 and yeah, how does creativity help to design new processes maybe also? Uh, I don't know. I'm not the expert here. So like... Um, Uh, tell me more about the processes and, and um, yeah, the, how they impact the textile world. Yeah. Um, so as you said, normally it's quite a um, nerdy or own field, which is not really accessible for other application fields. And that was a main part of our work, which we did the last um, years, also during the research time, that we tried to figure out which kind of places and which kind of processes we need to connect these dots and also to make it accessible also for other groups. And which, um, like one main part that we 
figured out was that we need like real analog labs, which are easy accessible. And we have also material library where we show what is possible there. We don't um, show just like technical textiles there. We also work with them creative ways. So we show it for interior or for fashion. So like to try make people creative about what they see. And um, on the other side, we always um, try to have like a lower level of um, machine and um, technical devices, which doesn't mean that it's like unprofessional. We are um, just working with machines that are um, accessible for creatives so they can start their prototyping with us and developing their ideas. And then if they want to go further on, these machines are already fitting into the industrial machines um, of our partners. So we try to have this like several stages that you can um, pass with us and you can go until the production. You can start with an idea and you can just do one prototype. You can be just creative, just having a workshop with us, always um, like design and creative driven, but you can also go the full way and um, go until uh, the handover to production space and okay. uh, depending on the, on the need. And, and it sounds very hands on actually. Yeah. So like, so yeah, what can we think of when we think about the spaces that you work with the labs? So there's machines really. I can, concretely work on machines yeah and and maybe something I, i kind of heard from your words i guess that it sounded also that that by 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 now there's also bigger diversity maybe in the industry in terms of what kind of machines it is so like maybe there's like more amateur machines more expert machines and things between there so do we nowadays have a good range of technology that is accessible because i mean it sounds a lot accessibility is a big topic for you for and and maybe yeah also from my point of view I would normally think it's not very accessible. I mean, if I go to ITMA or Tech Textile, it's a completely different world. For a fashion person, it's not very accessible. How yeah, definitely. If you, I mean, if you if you hold a textile um, in your hand, you hardly see how many steps are involved and how much know-how um, has to be involved to create this piece of textiles. And I, I think especially in times where textiles are so cheap, clothes, fashion is so cheap, um, we lost the connection to how things are actually being made and what you need to make it. It's not a machine that's Bits it out, yeah? No, exactly. It's usually several machines, uh, often standing in several places around the world, um, being involved in many, many steps and many, many people and faces behind it. So, um, what I think is very important about our labs, and that's why we 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 really wanted to build up these accessible um, spaces um, or an ecosystem of spaces where you can actually. Kind of hands on get into the creation process um, of, of textiles is to also um, yeah illustrate how these things are being created and where as um, also a creative person it's, it's possible to get your hands on and start to innovate. What about replacing a yarn or a fiber here in this process and so on? So you really start to experiment. And actually, the landscape looks like that. You have on one hand the large industry, huge industry, obviously. And if you talk about ITMA, there you have, of course, all the industrial machines that are extremely complex. You really need a specific education and training for these machines. So um, we have a very diversified field, as you already mentioned, that for all the different machines or even aspects of machines, you have separate technicians to operate it. So how, as a creative person, 
person are you able to access that and innovate into or bring innovation into processes if you don't understand it at all do you even have the same language than the technicians no exactly I mean, yeah. language huge topic I'm, i'm not talking german english i'm just talking yeah, yeah. like not just terms. expert terms if you so. if you say prototyping everyone <laughs> will understand something different, something different or prototype in german yeah. um yeah and then on the other hand um, textile is something very domestic um also if you look into the past or also nowadays still it's a craft um you have people having their little weaving looms or domestic knitting machines but um there you have to stop at some point with your creation because you cannot get into the complexity you can get into industry so there's a gap between mm -hmm. the domestic and the industry part oh. and there's also a gap of um, machines in a way so what we tried to do there's a lot of things happening startups building new machines that kind of fill the gap for example the knitterate machine the knitting digital knitting machine oh. um, or the tc2 which is um, digital weaving um, loom so there are some like few machines and with our labs we tried to get these machines to um yeah on one hand um bring creativity into the process and give the chance to explore but on the other hand also to be able to scale the processes up that happen there yeah by the way i think we will put a few of these buzzwords or terms into the show notes and maybe put some links to them so that our audience can check out actually what machines you're talking about um obviously also links to to um uh, your entities in general um but that's so good to understand and i mean what i find very exciting what you say like you're starting or trying to bridge between what the big companies are capable of nowadays and maybe what is out there in terms of innovation and in technology and making it more accessible for smaller players so that is i guess to a certain degree also you're connecting it with more creative Activity, eh? because i mean maybe that's uh, just a personal feeling but the big corporates nowadays don't seem to be driven by creativity let's say while the smaller stakeholders in the fashion industry usually are more the real innovators in terms of design and 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 like the fashion culture so you're connecting in a way i would say that more fashion culture more fashion innovation crowd to the technology that normally is more corporate. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I just um, thought the same when we started to talk about that. This is also an important point to mention. It's not just in one direction that like, creatives are looking for technology. It's also from the other side that um, technology-driven companies and also especially research institutes are developing new technologies. And Germany is one of the leader in this topic of technical textiles. But then sometimes there are technologies around where they just don't don't know what to do with and they're looking for a nice application or they have one application in mind but if other creators would know about then there would maybe be 10 more and um, of course this is um, an important part as well so we have also requests and um, like bridge making translator um, work in both directions so we are also um, working as designers and support um, the research and the industry part that we bring in other creatives or we bring in our own expertise because yeah it goes in both directions sometimes this huge machines they're also limiting creativity um as you said in um, yeah that's exciting that. i mean i i know from from like some of these trade shows uh, it my tech textile we also put the links in the, <laughs> in, the uh, in the show notes um there 
at the beginning when I first went there, I felt like, wow, this is different, yeah, completely different language um, and very overwhelming. But then once you learn a bit the language and you get into exchange, you feel oh, there's a different but also crazy creative force behind it. And a lot of these maybe bit nerdy uh, engineers then are developing things where they also don't really even know what to do with it. They're just excited about a new opportunity and they think, well, there's something in it. Maybe then they develop a machine, but they don't know yet even for what. And that's also where you come in and you can help connecting it with the people that can actually make sense out of it. Yeah, or sometimes it's out of one application field and they are developing a machine, let's say, for car industry. And if a fashion designer would know about, then, you know, the like the um, knitted um, 3D fabric, fabrics, or, this whole yeah. topic, they told us always in the institutes like, yeah, well, if we would have known that they want this, then we could have done this 20 years ago already, like knitting shoes. It's not just such or a sensors, big thing uh, or, you know, embroidered sensors. But nobody knew that it's there in the... <laughs> in the shelf hidden <laughs> so oh, yeah, so, yeah. But it's actually, so you're also accelerating uh? yeah. I mean, then you're connecting people and accelerating the development and innovation yeah. oh, cool yeah the, the, you ha also have to understand that the, the textile industry in germany um, has a lot of know-how um, and very like specific developments quite often end up in the drawer because um, they're not really thinking out of the box or creatively looking at machines processes or materials um, so that's why we think it's so important that on like the same level bring designers um, and yeah into the, the the process or close to those processes and materials that are waiting there and having this like creative look and perspective onto onto these things and what can be done with it and it's very important for um, that industry in Germany also to be able to um, exist further because there's a huge global pressure of course in the field of textiles I see there's a huge future for a new generation of collabs I mean fashion loves collabs since ever but in the last couple of years it was like a huge trend but um, there was not so many collabs yet with like science and, and, and really engineering eh? but I feel this is a really interesting new field and I had a lovely conversation a few weeks ago in, in Milan with a amazing South American uh, shoe designer and he loves German tech 3D printing and he's in heaven when he's talking to German engineers and he thinks that is so cool obviously he is the designer so he makes it cool at the end but for him also the dialogue with these nerdy kind of engineers is amazing and the end product is something out of this world really it's it's new it's out of the box literally um yeah so i feel this is this something where you also feel you see a potential and where you can cater to make this happen yeah i think i mean in our daily happening we are working with um researchers engineers and so on and what i see is that everyone is very passionate about what they do so um also like producers textile producers really from the deep deep industry on the on the Turingian countryside you know and yeah these people are super passionate about what they do as well as we are and if you if you get to the point that you 
find this connection um, and you find the right people that are passionate to think out of the box, to drive things uh, forward and um, also kind of make a change or an impact, um, I think then the interesting things happen. Um, and it's like this kind of co-creation processes that we try also to foster um, with our working methods, with the labs, but also our general working method. And um, yeah, and then the really interesting things um, happen and start to be created. And it's also from both sides. Like it's not that like um, the engineers are in their box just or we are just in our box. Like it's, as you said, like the huge trend that we're getting further when we start to collaborate, when we work together, when we start to um, look into other fields and learn from each other. We learn a lot from them. They learn from us. We just like to um, connect in an early stage when we are developing products and um, yeah, research engineers, like researchers and engineers that did it already before, just like that designers getting into this processes in an earlier stage. It's um, like a new movement, we could say. And yeah, especially in the textile industry where uh, The traditional textile design job is not so science driven, we could say. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's also, I mean, obviously, we are always coming from a sustainability point of view. There's always a science based targets. So, we have like a lot of that coming up. But I still feel, in terms of the innovation, it's, it's a complicated translation there. Um, I would love to go a little bit back to this landscape question. I mean, now we touched it on, on, on a few different levels already. Um, Uh, my understanding right now is so one can come to you obviously as an individual a designer, textile designer, fashion designer, uh, but also I can come to you as a technology kind of company um, or also as a research kind of institution, I guess. Um, I mean, I know you're already working with like uh, some of Germany's top textile institutes, uh, TITV Greiz and STFI Chemnitz. Uh, interestingly, both in Eastern Germany, where there was also a huge tradition of textiles um, and I guess maybe also some, some kind of funding for their revival. Um, as mentioned already now, we at Fraunhofer, I think one of Germany's most famous, also international, globally famous research institutes. Um, you coming from Weissensee, also a famous design university, is more theoretical maybe also. So what else is there in your landscape? Is there some kind of key stakeholders you would like to highlight or how can we introduce like to our audience here um, the potential also, you know, who should a talk to you for collaboration or who can people talk with through you you know if i'm a fashion designer and come to you um what what can i do or if i'm a engineer innovator and talk to you what can i do and and what's what kind of stakeholders do you have already in the landscape I mean, basically, we offer a very customized textile development service. Um, so that's why it's interesting for a lot of different um, yeah, potential clients um, to work with us, starting from universities, from education to um, research, to business startups, artists, um, or even very large-scale companies, um, because we really, we really customize. We realize that if... Um, um, like textile components are more and more becoming part of products. Products can be like a very wide term from garments to um, whatever, like real products. Um, so um, we always 
take a very specific look at um, the um, requests we get and we look into like what is the specific need is it a workshop is it gaining of know-how is it learning like self-learning of a technique is it um, the creation of um, material samples sometimes maybe someone develops a yarn and needs to have a proof of concept does this work on an industrial machine um, sometimes it's really creation of a prototype or even something that goes into production. So like all these requests are super, super specific. And that's why we really look into um, every case in depth. And then we make an advice. Quite often someone says, I want to develop a product with this and this part of textile, but doesn't know which textile technique. I mean, there's so many possibilities and we dive into depth and Yeah, we also just consult sometimes as a first step or we make a workshop where we bring together some of our partners, maybe a weaving expert, um, a company, production company, and so on. We do like um, ideation workshops. Sometimes that's the biggest help for a start so someone knows how to continue further. So we are very, very flexible. Um, and I think this flexibility is maybe also our USP. Um, so we start from, yeah, ideation consulting up to all these like hands-on developments on different yeah, levels of complexity. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe when I, can I add one word? Please, please. <laughs> Another English wrong saying, probably <laughs> looking through the uh, designer glasses. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's <laughs> yeah. definitely very understandable through the lens of a designer. Yeah. I say. Okay. So um, I would just like to add that, that this is always part of our service that we um, have the background in the design. Um, so when we choose a technique, when we choose expertises from other um, partners um, and so on, or we also when we do a technical advice, we always try to understand what is the application, what is it for, who's the user, um, why should it maybe look like this? It's never just a technical advice or just like a network advice in like theory or something. And that's also, I think, which makes us really different to when you, you can also go to an institute and just ask for a technical advice. But we think about, okay, maybe this technique is not the right one for this product. And then we try to really, um, yeah, have this designer point of view and um, bring together what works best for the product or for the request. Uh, so what I'm taking, and if I may try to summarize a bit, I mean, at the end, it feels like whenever I have the interest to create a textile-based product, You could already be an interesting partner because, yeah, everything textile kind of you can touch. And on the other hand, I feel then one very basic element is this yeah, understanding all the different languages, all the different sectors. So you can talk with the uh, engineers, you can talk with the researchers, you can talk with the designers and make them understand each other and kind of come to a, a productive outcome let's say is that yeah also matchmaking is very important because sometimes of of course we cannot fulfill everything you know um, but Nobody. we have know-how of a lot um, that is possible to do with Texas and um, we also um, do like these matchmaking workshops we have a big um, network talking about stakeholders the ones you mentioned are our kind of core um, partners also still from from the research projects set up um, and they are still very important partners for um, all kinds of developments but um, of course our network keeps on growing um, with 
other research institutes, um, companies, also production um, and industry in Germany as well as outside of Germany and also other labs, also quite interesting. Um, so um, Germany, there are not so many labs, I would say, of this kind, is this There's no other lab existing, but there are some other spaces and labs in Europe um, that we also, um, yeah, start started to network with. Um, we are now part of ECHN, with this, which is the European Creative Hubs Network, um, and we are co-founding a sub-network on textiles and fashion there. So um, our network is growing, and that also helps our customers, our clients and partners um, for these kind of net uh, matchmaking um, yeah, processes. So if we can't fulfill something ourselves... Um, and usually, I have to say, that's also important. We hardly ever work totally alone. We yeah, always never. build up yeah. interdisciplinary teams to make the best out of the yeah, product idea or application idea. Yeah. yeah cool. It's often like resource sharing. Resource sharing, knowledge like sharing. Also, with the lab, it was never the idea to set up a lab which fulfills everything where we have everything by our own. Um, the textile um, segment is so complex that it's way better to just work together with all these experts in yarns or yeah, there are engineers just for yarn development. So, yeah. Open innovation, that's a very interesting term, difficult term also for the traditional industry mm, in fashion very, as well yes. as textiles. We started with the big term of wanting to create this open innovation approach. Um, and that's still our goal um, to to have as much open innovation as possible. Of course, sometimes it's not possible or there are different grades or shades of that, but that's a, an ideal or a vision we are working towards. Yeah, well, that's amazing. And that also brings me a bit maybe to the, the final stage of, of our conversation and a bit back to, well, the, 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 the rest of the environment around us here in Berlin. Um, you already mentioned, obviously, you also are connected way um, um, outside of Berlin, outside of Germany, obviously in a global industry, textiles, uh, we need to be connected with, with um, uh, probably every stakeholder that is relevant. Um, but how do you see then the development here in Berlin? I mean, obviously, then you will probably connect with a lot of people here, physically you're here, so that <laughs> has a certain um, highlight and, and uh, obviously a certain impact probably for your audience your 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 partners um yeah how do you see the development here and and where do you see yourself in this berlin fashion textiles ecosystem with these all these different stakeholders i mean we uh, had like seen uh, a stakeholder like platte coming up in the last couple of one two years i would say even during the pandemic nothing directly to do with it but a lot of things have developed slowly steadily now and it feels like there's a bit of a new fashion textiles ecosystem in berlin now um compared to like three four year, years ago how do you see that and where do you see yourself Well, first of all, Berlin, of course, is our home base um, and we have the two labs here and um, our office here. So um, also 
yeah, our, our like core network starts here in Berlin. Um, for many years already, I have been quite jealous to see um, the fashion scene developing and get, have, getting a lot of attention and awareness in Berlin. I think it's it's amazing what is happening there and also the, the diversity and the spaces that are emerging with Platte, Fawn and so on. The summit, you're doing the fashion week. Like there's always lots of dynamic, of course, happening. Um, and yeah, from the textiles point of view, I was always a little jealous because <laughs> um, textiles is also so closely connected to fashion and it's such an interesting field in which lots of innovation um, also in terms of sustainability is happening. Um, and there are many like startups um, uh, starting to, to be created out of university we have several universities in berlin that teach fashion and textiles um, but there is not really um, there could there is potential to happen more to ha be more of a community created around textiles as well and also connected to fashion so i think it's great that we are sitting here <laughs> and we are regularly talking um, and maybe we can uh, yeah in the future also contribute more to this scenes that are thematically connected also to be more connected in different formats um, and it would be great to yeah support these startups and young innovators and young creatives from the textile field as well and um, yeah we will also try to to engage in that field do you have anything to add Karina? <laughs> how, i don't even know uh, obviously how your connection to berlin is But um, yeah, did you see an interesting development over the last couple of months or years actually now? Um, I think as you explained it already perfectly, um, for me, uh, of course, also Berlin is already home base for both of us. We are working here together since many years. And as you said, like so many things came up in the last years and we are also very happy that Now Corona is over and we all can go back and we can go back to the labs. We can meet. We can have like also meetups, conferences again. As you heard then what we said, like a lot of things that we're doing, they're working because we're meeting in person and we yeah. like get to know each other. We understand what we are doing. And um, yeah, I think we get further now with the end of the pandemic. And yeah, yeah. But I feel like, I mean, what you do, there's so much hands-on aspect to it. And, and yeah, so it, it, it needs the space eh? and the actual kind of connecting people. And I think I mean, in Berlin, it's on the one hand a bit complex because it's always so decentralized, everything. And the city is so vast and you have like a, a little center here and one here. And, and, you know, then one person is living in that area and never comes out of that space. Um, but I see more and more spaces coming up now. Eh? I mean, you even have three locations yeah, in Berlin. And it's like <laughs> We're also victims of the Berlin decentralized. <laughs> But then, I mean, let's try to make the best out of it. Eh? I mean, okay, we can't have this one central space. I think yeah. that idea is maybe over. We have all realized yes. it in different painful processes. <laughs> <laughs> But now we have like a landscape with a lot of different really interesting spaces in Berlin where you can develop further, where you can meet up. Um, 
this yeah, has so the potential for interesting formats in the future. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, then te the, the fashion scene being a driving force with stakeholders like you guys. Um, but maybe we, we can try to connect the textile scene a little more to that and also think about common formats because it's so closely connected. And maybe the decentralization can also be a very interesting aspect to, mm -hmm. for example, have rotating meetups or to have, I mean, we don't, really have a fair of course for textiles design scene in general is also a little difficult in Berlin but it would be interesting to think about what formats can can be um, yeah supporting for this community and I think it's also very important to have these type of summits and conferences that you guys do um, to have these events that yeah. bring people together in one two three days um, because it is so de decentralized in everyday life Yeah, thanks obviously for <laughs> the little um, sure. comment. And But talking about events, uh, let's kind of finish with a little event uh, recommendation. There's one in, it should be in two days if you hear this uh, podcast on the day of its release. Um, on the 1st of June, you are opening, well, a connected space, let's say, uh, the Berlin Textile Co-op. Essie, um, would you maybe like to give us a little last comment on that? What is it? How is it connected to Textile Prototyping Lab? Yeah, thanks for recommending um, the opening. Uh, the Berlin Textile uh, Co-op is also, um, yeah, a, a Uh, kind of founding I'm involved in. Um, it's a textile co-working space in Berlin Friedrichshain, Weichse Straße 32. So um, everyone listening to this is invited to join our little opening party on June 1st, starting at 5 um, and PM, yeah, and our office <laughs> is there. So if you want to meet us and talk to us in person, yeah, feel free to come by. And yeah, we're looking forward to see you. Amazing. Then I think I would like to end this by kind of quoting Lee Ilkort, who for many years has been saying like materials is the future of fashion. I guess um, that has to be changed at least into textiles is the future of fashion. And actually a lot of the processes that are involved in textiles, etc., are actually part. And I guess cross-linking it with, you know, the knowledge that comes maybe from automotive, from space, from the technical textile space, where Germany is a market leader and, and there's so much knowledge in these kind of small hidden players, the SMEs all over Germany. And yeah, you're bringing it kind of to Berlin, you're bringing, making it more accessible to the creative industries that fashion is also so um yeah i see a lot of future here in this space and i hope mm. that we have a good common future also here in berlin making this ecosystem grow and becoming um, a real driver for sustainability that would be my hope and yeah so by the last two words maybe to you what would be your hope for the next let's say the next development of the next year in berlin um what are you expecting Yeah, I just hope um, that we join forces even more than we already do. And we are really like working on creating a community together. And we are really open to hear from everyone who is involved in textiles or interested in textiles. Um, and uh, yeah, let's yeah. let's join forces. Let's get together. Let's exchange and um, yeah, create our vision of the textile future together. Yeah, also on um, national and international basis are definitely also our goal that we want to, yeah, as you said already, grow together with other players, other hubs, other creatives. So, um, yeah, growing on Europe base. <laughs> yes, please. I always talk about we need alliances of the willing. 
I guess this is maybe Sounds something nice. that you also liked. Cool. Thanks so much. It was a huge pleasure having you. Also getting to know you for the very first time, Karina. Thanks Thank so much you. for taking the time. For you, obviously, always a pleasure with you, Essie. And I'm really excited about this new spaces here and how we can foster our collaboration and hope to have you back at some point. Thank you for thank inviting you. us. <laughs> and also a big thank you to our audience, to our listeners. Um, I hope you had as much fun as I had and um, you can take a lot of this home uh, with you. And yeah, obviously reach out to Texel Prototyping Lab to SEO Karina if you're interested. I can only recommend checking the Texel Proto Lab out. And I would love to uh, remind you that our podcast is um, searchable and findable on every known platform for podcasts and don't forget to check out our show notes and also if you like to learn more generally about our summit uh, follow us on instagram or linkedin 202030 summit is usually the way to find us <laughs>